0: all month, but all year long. Check out Ole's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer.
1: When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products.
0: High
1: Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at highfivecasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every 4 hours, only at highfivecasino.com.
2: High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions
0: apply. See website for details at highthenumber5casino.com.
2: High Five Casino What's boiling my crabs? I'm Robert Evans And this is once again Behind the Bastards The show where we tell you Everything you don't know About the very worst people all of history, how'd you guys feel about that intro? Loved it. Good, good. My favorite. Thank what, you. What's, mm-hmm. boiling crabs? what's
1: boiling my crab? What's
2: yeah. boiling my crab? Let's like make it. that
1: a thing. We always say everywhere. It's
2: gonna be my new T-shirt. I like it more than the last time. Whatever it was, I forget what it that was. That was the what's itching my rashes. Yeah, yeah no, that yeah. was a rough this one. That was a rough one. This one's good. This. this-
1: this is palatable.
2: It belongs on not just a normal shirt, but exclusively on sleeveless shirts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's just what crabs yeah. make me think. Is the artwork's
1: going to yeah. be key, but yeah. this is this is happening.
2: Yeah. Uh, as you listening uh, have probably guessed by now, my guests for today's episode are Katie and Cody. Katie Johnston and... Uh, Co- Cody Johnston <laughs> and Katie Stoll. <laughs> sorry. Uh, of the Some News Network, how are y'all doing today? So good. Honestly? Hi. Hey. Are you doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Did I'm you say great.
1: honestly you're high or I was honestly saying hello.
3: high? Uh, it was hello. Yeah, but yeah. I, I see how that would sound like I was saying.
2: It does sound like I'm you're doing saying. high it right really now. It really did. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're in the city of Los Angeles where conservatively 90% of uh, the city is high at any given time. 100%. 100%. You walk yeah.
1: around and there are two predominant smells. One is marijuana and the other is skunk. Yeah. At least in my neighborhood, Yeah, it's one or the other and they're similar. Both. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. are
2: similar. They are similar cuz we have bad drivers partly because of all of the marijuana. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Today, we are talking about a fellow named Oswald Mosley. Mhm. Y'all, y'all know? Y'all know about Oswald Mosley? <laughs> Ask me again in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all's about to. So, Let's tear into this, this submarine Why Why sandwich wouldn't... of knowledge. Yeah. Let's eat this crab. Let's eat this crab. Let's crack this crab open, fish out its delicious butter drenched meat, mm-hmm. cover our table and our shirt in crab goo. I got my mm. bib on. Got my bib on. And I I always rip the bib at some point. It's, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you throw out the shirt, you gets all oily, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. yeah. You're having a real good crab feast. You don't keep those clothing. I right. just walk naked out of the crab restaurant, just, just burn my shirt in there in their furnace. Then yeah. Google the next crab restaurant you can find. You can only you're go not once one has to do it again. Yeah. That's the key with yeah. a good crab restaurant. You get you get one shot.
1: You better do it right, y'all. But yeah. ooh, is
2: it glorious? It's it's a great four and a half hours. All right. Let's talk about this fascist. For slightly shorter than uh, you would spend at a crab <laughs> <Yeah>. restaurant. <laughs> Much shorter. Okay. I, I, any? We'll, we'll do a four-part episode that's just me at a crab restaurant, okay. and that will be the bastard. So you'll uh, be the bastard. I am, I am the worst version of myself <laughs> when I'm eating crab. Oh, boy. Nobody mm. nobody needs any of that. All right. Sir Oswald Arnold Mosley was born on the 16th of November, 1896. He was the oldest of three children. His family was one of those wonky-ass noble families that the British still have for some reason. So at birth, Oswald Mosley became the sixth baronet of Epdale Hall, Staffordshire. His mother, Maud, uh, gave birth without the benefit of her husband, Waldy's presence, because he was, quote, a rake gambler and a heavy drinker. Mm-hmm. N- mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Nevertheless, Waldy bragged to anyone who would hear about the birth of his heir. Maud wrote in her diary on the day of Oswald's birth, thankful... It's a boy. Mm-hmm. Oswald went by Tommy as a little kid. He was ill often, and as you might have guessed by all the names and titles, he grew up very wealthy. Tommy? Tommy. That's short for Oswald? Yep. <laughs> Everything the British do is wrong. So I'm going to say something right now, right, right here. I've gotten a lot of shit on, uh, on the Twitter, on the, the twats, the mm. tweets, uh, for my get mispronunciation get of, of, a, of, of British town names uh, and city names. And uh, I feel like with all of the evil that colonialism did, the one way we can make it right is by forever mispronouncing the names of small towns in the United Kingdom. I couldn't agree yeah. more. Yeah. Staffordshire, uh, upon uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So that's that's ju- that's just how it's going to be. This episode. I
1: always call London <laughs> Landon. Landon, so. Landon,
2: mm-hmm. Landon. Yeah, because mm-hmm. then it then it sounds like a sleazy ex boyfriend exactly. and not like the city right. that <laughs> ruled the world for two hundred years. Yeah. Fucking Landon. <laughs> fucking Landon. That fucking dude. <laughs> Oswald's family was so rich that they had an ancestral manor, Apdale Hall. Their wealth had been built up in the 16th century by his ancestor, Nicholas Mosley, who the book Blackshirt describes as, quote, one of the swindling sheep farmers who at the time were expropriating the common lands of the English people. So, that's where his family money comes from, mm-hmm. stealing uh, common lands from sheep farmers. Yeah. Okay. That okay. adds up Seems, seems wealthy... Broken, Family steals from people. Steals, yeah. Seems like that's They're the build, only way families wealth, get wealthy. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a yeah, reverse right, okay. Robin Hood, if you a will. A reverse yeah. Robin Hood. A, a sh- sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah, the more the more
3: successful and more uh, socially accepted.
2: Yeah, because you know Robin Hood died in a ditch somewhere, right. <laughs> and the sheriff of Nottingham's like descendants now were like behind Brexit. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Oswald Mosley's great-grandfather, Sir Oswald, later leased out their property in Manchester for a huge sum of money. For reasons which aren't clear to me, due to my lack of knowledge of 19th century British leasing laws, the Mosleys wound up in a long-running dispute with the Jewish businessmen of Manchester. According to the book Blackshirt, quote, In the 1880s, although Jews played only a minor role in money lending, Walter Tomlinson, a local journalist, noted that the identification of Jews with extortionate usury was extensively believed in. Mosley's grandfather was at the forefront of the campaign against Jewish emancipation. So his granddad was one of the big, I don't want Jews voting, guys. Right like, out of
3: the gate. <laughs> right <laughs> out of the gate. <laughs> okay, wealthy family, wealthy family, okay, okay.
2: Anyway, here's what they thought about the Jews. <laughs> here's, here's
3: what they, Okay. yeah,
2: okay. four paragraphs in. All right, all right, <laughs> here's yep. what his granddad thought about the Jews. I don't know why I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it took longer than I expected <laughs> yeah, too, Cody. <laughs> Oswald's grandfather wound up being his chief male influence as a boy. His dad, Waldy, is generally described as a piece of shit. Oswald later described his father as a hard-riding, hard-drinking, hard-living Tory squire, much given to expletives. He will be the most likable person we talk about in this story. (laughs) On one memorable occasion, Oswald's father drunkenly drew his pistol and started shooting out electric lights in Piccadilly Square. Again, seems like a guy I would have gotten along with. Mm. He also cheated on his wife constantly, which is not cool, uh, and she left her husband when Oswald was quite young.
3: Yeah, and he's doing it this because he knows he's rich and he
2: can get away with it, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's what you do. You shoot out lights. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I'm down for that. All that right, that right, sounds right, like right, a great right. night out. Good Get,
1: for her, though. That's a
2: yeah. yeah. You know, back then, people power move. didn't
1: mm-hmm. leave their husbands that mm-hmm. often? Yeah,
2: yeah. Good for her.
1: Mosley would later describe <laughs> his
2: childhood with his mom and grandfather on the family estate as idyllic. The property was a self-contained economy, as English estates were in this period of time. There were farmers and servants who all worked to serve the rich people and all bought and sold from each other. It was essentially a we independent nation. Mosley later wrote that he and his family had, quote, little need to go outside the closed and charmed circle, and we children never did. Our time was divided between farms, gardens, and carpenter shops, where the bearded Pritchard presided over a core of experts who kept all things going as their forebears had done for generations. We were very close to nature.
3: This is uh, fascinating yeah. Uh, because I know like a little bit about him yeah. and uh, what we're gonna be talking about and like, yeah, all right, you grow up like that, you mm-hmm. grow up in that insular kind of, it's like a yeah, well, you're, fake community, like you're the center of attention and you would look at it like, oh wow, like it's a very uh, small number of people and they all work together and it works great and like I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And there's no
2: we, social mobility whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. we should mm-hmm. do that everywhere. This should be mm-hmm. the whole world. Wow, that's, yeah. Man, I also – I have to say I think that having an army of servants who exist only to serve your family uh, is – Maybe not close to nature. <laughs> no,
1: <yeah. laughs> I wouldn't say you're correct on that.
2: It depends on how you define nature. It does
3: depend you know? on
1: how you define nature.
3: It's natural. But yeah, it's sure happening. It is natural. If it happens, it's natural.
2: So.
1: I'm sure your whims being catered to uh, mm-hmm. in a beautiful environment does sound idyllic. It feels
2: natural. feels natural. If you grow up that way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Without any other outside influences or awareness of what the world actually is.
2: Yes, Now, young Mosley did not seem to reflect at all upon the fact that this (laughs) idyllic situation relied entirely upon an incredibly strict social hierarchy Mm -hmm. with no mobility whatsoever. (laughs) Since Oswald grew up without the benefit of his father, his beliefs about masculinity were largely formed by a mix of British pop culture at the time and his grandfather's example. The book Blackshirt describes this well. Quote, He thus idealized the male role and appropriated those components of masculinity he feared would otherwise be used against him. It was tradition that family quarrels should be aired publicly, and each father challenged his son to a boxing match in front of (laughs) assembled servants. Boxing! Vincing and hunting were part of an aggressive upbringing in which being the winner was all important. The combination of this hypermasculinity, which was a defense against feelings of dependence and the lack of boundaries, which gave little consideration to others' feelings, ensured that Mosley was always in too much of a hurry. I rushed towards life with arms outstretched to embrace every varied enchantment of a glittering wonderful world, a life rush to be consummated. It was Mosley's writing at the end there. <laughs> Mm-hmm.
1: Life isn't meant to be rushed, man.
2: It's not. I have to say though, father son boxing matches are a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is
1: this like trial by combat? Eh,
2: it's <laughs> just like, yeah, you you disagree with what your dad says, you got to fight him. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to fight your dad. Yeah, you're you're wrong until you're tall enough. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's the way the world until
2: works. Until you're tall enough to be right. Yeah, are you tough enough to fight your dad mm-hmm. and win? Are you tough enough to then beat up right. your dad? <laughs> then, you're, <laughs> then you're then you're right. You're yeah. the man of the yeah. house now. <laughs> <laughs> As a young man, Oswald attended West Down School and Winchester College. He loved fencing, which we will not mock him for because so do I. By the time he was fourteen, <laughs> I don't, I don't need, I don't need that laughter, Sophie. It's <laughs> a
3: fair
0: reaction.
2: <laughs> By the time he was fourteen, he was already six foot two, his adult height. Mosley was described by his contemporaries as extremely good looking, which caused him some issues at West Down School. <clears throat> Mosley described public school life as filled with boredom, which was, quote, only relieved by learning and homosexuality, neither of which he was good at. It was just sort of British private school life. A lot of young kids fucking each other. Sure. You know? yeah, It's, it's what you do. Yeah. But he wasn't
1: very good at
2: it? He he was not. He was okay. not he was not inclined to homosexuality, Did he want to be interesting. Good? I don't think so. Okay, so I think that's what he was saying. Okay. He just okay. wasn't into it. It was
3: that. just his way of saying like no thank you
2: yeah. to that. All right. Yeah. He I'm <laughs> wasn't not very
1: good at this.
3: I'm not good at <laughs> book
2: like, learning or fucking my <laughs> <yeah>. fellow students. <laughs> These are not my talents.
3: I just, I, I tried. I studied hard. I just wasn't very good at it. I just
2: wasn't very good at it. All right. Well, <laughs> re- sorry I mostly. really studied. <laughs> <laughs> Anti Semitism was a a prevalent part of Oswald's childhood, although the evidence suggests this was not much more of a factor in his young life than it would have been in the life of any of his peers. During World War II, when he was interrogated by the Advisory Committee on Internment, Mosley told his interviewers that his first experiences with anti Semitism had come, quote, in my youth, where most of one's friends and relations would not have Jews in their houses. He described this sort of anti Semitism as, quote, Old English growth and, quote, a whimsical brutality that was much kinder than German anti Semitism. Uh. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Yeah, that's, uh, no, that's pretty Mose. bad. A, uh, a whimsical, brutality. whimsical brutality. Those words don't
1: go together. No, that they don't. Like,
3: man, they really do for we just, people like that. We though. just
2: whimsically <laughs>
3: beat the Jewish men in town with sticks when they come out at night. <laughs> it's just the same old. You just, like, find another
2: way to say it. Yeah. Like,
3: now we'll spin it like this. So no, what the brutality.
2: Nazis are doing isn't okay. But when I chucked a brick through that synagogue window it was with a smile in it was my whimsy. heart i was yeah, whistling it was whimsy i whistled yeah. come on i i tried to light that torah on fire the same way winnie the pooh would have yeah. like it was whimsical charmingly so charmingly so we're British. We're British. Come on. It's fine. I'm from Stratfordshire. Stratfordshire. Our accent's
1: much more palatable. <laughs> much more
2: palatable. <laughs> that was not a British accent. No, but, no, no, we no. We should we'll, not try we, today. <laughs> we're gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna just. We're just
3: gonna. That,
2: <laughs> that's the accent of Pritchard, the guy who ran the uh... <laughs> specific part of
3: England. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. In January of 1914, Oswald Mosley entered the Royal Military College of Sandhurst. It was a violent place, and cadets were taught, quote, impeccability on parade and hooliganism off-duty, which is something about military life that has not changed. Mm -hmm. Free time was spent in London starting fights and flirting with girls, which is something else about military life that has not changed. Mosley admitted that the fighting was seen as much more important than the flirting. He was apparently unpopular and got kicked out due to a violent incident Blackshirt describes this way. Quote, Older cadets decided that an arrogant Mosley needed to be taken down a peg or two and went to his room to punish him for his insolence. John Masters in Bugle and Tiger created the legend that Mosley, detested by his brother officer cadets, was thrown out of a window. In fact, in seeking recruits for retaliatory action, he slipped on a ledge and fell, slightly injuring a leg. Skirmishing continued all weekend, as a result of which 15 cadets, including Mosley, were packed off to reflect on their ill behavior. His friend Robert Bruce Lockhart believed Mosley bore a grudge against society because of this incident. So, That's so he was a,
3: unlikable and people didn't like him.
2: And people didn't like him. And <laughs> when he tried to like get involved in the fighting at school, he fell off a window. Yeah, Ledge. It's
3: pretty, Yeah, pretty, so he's pretty sad. he's really full of himself and yeah. uh, hated you know Jews.
2: Yeah, d- definitely hated Jews. And uh, yeah. although yeah. probably not more than anybody else did yeah, the in the Royal Military Academy at Sanders. Sure. That is like one of those things about. European history is that pretty much everybody was pretty anti-Semitic, right. and then like the Holocaust right. happened, and most people were like, "Oh, maybe we should, maybe we should peel back on that a little bit." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <was> like, right.
3: <laughs> oh, oh boy. Didn't know, didn't know the path <laughs> that uh, that led to. Yeah, uh, it's interesting too. Just like this, <laughs> so many of these stories. Involved like, oh yeah, um, he's like rich and like really, really arrogant, mm-hmm. and was just a little more racist than everyone around him. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. You wouldn't and, have like, noticed, right? And he was like a kind of like an ass about it, mm-hmm. like a, an arrogant person about it. And so he was unlikable. So people uh, kind of bullied him a little bit, mm-hmm. and then he went. He, then he did all the stuff. And then he did everything we're about right, to talk it's about. It's like, yeah, yeah,
2: uh, yeah, you fool yourself, and then you're bullied, and then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you and turn then, into a monster. And then you turn into a monster. Uh, when August 1914 came around, Mosley found himself sent back to Sanders to finish his training. August of 1914 of course is when you know the the whole World War 1 thing. Yeah. With all the trenches and the, there
3: was
1: a oh yeah yeah oh first yeah that World thing. War?
2: There was there was what? Yeah yeah the the second one was kind of you know it was one of those things like the, the the new Star Wars movie where you know you have you have a perfectly good thing and mm-hmm. then they like reboot it but with a new cast <clears throat> yeah. right you know and, like, and like, this, this- better yeah. special effects and stuff right. you yeah. know? and everyone
1: talks about that one but the other mm-hmm. one exists the
2: other mm-hmm. one exists mm-hmm. and it was like more groundbreaking right right but you got yeah. to up the ante but you got to up the ante you know and now there's a yeah. couple of tanks in the first one everybody's got tanks in the second one right. You know, there's yeah. pretty big bombs in the first one. There's the biggest bomb ever in the second exactly. one. You know, it's just a little derivative. Yeah, I hope yeah. they'll make it a trilogy. I don't know. I mean, I'll watch it. Yeah, I know you would. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'd
1: want to see what they do. Right, right. Yeah. I
2: know you I mean, watched it. With them. all the, with all the with all the the new CGI available, absolutely. Fair, <laughs> fair, fair. I mean, yeah. I mean we just got to hope it's like, you know, JJ J. Abrams or someone great. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, not like some Michael Bay bullshit. We don't want Michael Bay directing yeah, or it. Yeah,
3: a Snyder of Zack Snyder.
2: I mean, I mean to, let's be honest, the only one who could really direct World War III would be Paul Verhoeven. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to see Paul Verhoeven's World yeah. War 3. Kind of think we already have. Um. Oh, okay, <laughs> when the war started, Mosley found himself sent back to Sandhurst to finish his training. He wound up in the 16th Queen's Lancers, a cavalry unit. He saw action on the Western Front and acquitted himself well. Eventually, he was promoted and transferred to work as an observer for the Royal Flying Corps. He was one of Britain's first pilots, although he did not distinguish himself with particular competence in this field. During a training exercise, when his mom and sister were watching, he attempted to impress them and accidentally crashed his plane.
1: Did he slip and fall off a window ledge? (laughs) I kind
2: of, with a plane.
3: This is just him. Mom,
1: are you looking?
2: Watch Mm -hmm. this. Watch watch this, this, mother.
3: mother, are Are you watching, mother? Mother? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: <laughs> probably killed like That's 16 kind of stable boys when he crashed but they just never wrote it down oh sure yeah they're yeah. stable boys yeah, yeah the amount of stable boys we had we'll get we'll get more well, we actually have a lot less stable boys for some reason <laughs> <laughs> starting <laughs> in like 1915 very few stable boys <laughs> the accident injured him badly it mm-hmm. left him with a limp he would carry for the rest of his life Mosley went back to the Western Front after that, still injured, and eventually passed out from pain at his post during a battle. After that, he spent the rest of World War One doing a desk job. I'm sorry,
3: it's just like everything he does. It's just like I'm gonna press so many people, and <laughs> he falls on his ass. He sounds
1: delicate. This <laughs> kind of is. This it's whole thing. Yeah, it's a delicate boy.
2: So we're gonna get we're gonna get to what happens after World War One, mm. which is uh, really where the story starts to pick up. But first, you know what? I want to pick up is a product, maybe a service. Could you recommend some to me? You know what? These people will recommend some to you. (gasps) My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kinda like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. Say bye bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for fifteen bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just fifteen bucks a month, go to Mintmobile.com slash behind. That's Mintmobile.com slash behind. Cut your wireless bill to fifteen bucks a month at Mintmobile.com slash behind. Forty-five dollar upfront payment required equivalent to 15 bucks a month new customers on first 3 month plan only speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan additional taxes fees and restrictions apply see mint mobile for details the following is a high five moment from
0: highfivecasino.com Welcome
2: to- today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone! Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games, yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around.
0: Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino was a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void are prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details.
2: High Five Casino.
4: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded queer run and creating size and gender inclusive underwear swimwear and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin visit tomboyx.com to shop We're back! Woo! Oh, thank goodness! Ah, yeah.
2: uh, yes. You guys, you guys land on any products you're gonna service yourselves with? All of with? them. Nail
1: it. Yeah, all the services and products.
2: All the services and products. I like the ones that were mentioned. Yeah. The ones that. Uh, yeah, those are particularly appealing. Those are
3: appealing. my favorite of the products. Yeah, and services. I, I actually wasn't mm-hmm. sure about them, but then after listening to it, I was like, oh, I have been convinced and on those products and services. Do you know yeah. what that technique is,
2: Cody? Advertising. advertising. Oh, Katie knows. Wow.
1: I waited till you started to what? say a before I was like, "Yeah, yeah I know." Yeah,
2: yeah. How do you both know that? Oh, it's. Uh, I was gonna say
1: marketing, but advertising wow. is also. Yeah.
2: I think we've both been around to college a couple of times. Amazing.
1: Yeah, I I, I popped in and out.
2: Popped in and out. Speaking of people who popped in and out, mm. after Uh-oh. Oswald Mosley popped out of World War I, <laughs> okay. uh, right. and then the right. war it's ended, like, well, uh, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> he married Lady Cynthia Curzon, the daughter of the Viceroy of India. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he now, he's that kind of guy. He was elected to parliament straight away as a conservative MP for the District of Harrow, or Harrow. I don't care because (laughs) of the Bengal famine. Let's just just say that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He was 21 years old when he was first elected because as the scion of a wealthy noble family political office was basically seen as his due. Hmm. Now that he was in politics, Mosley's ideology was quite simple. Always do my utmost in all circumstances to prevent it, the First World War, ever happening again. Mm -hmm. Which is a a solid, solid, solid motivation. Nobody wants a world war. Nobody wants a war, especially not a guy who like saw it. Yeah, uh, yeah. He uh, uh, fell on his ass a couple times in that war. He did yeah. some fighting too. Like he, he was in too, the yeah. trenches. Like yeah. he had friends die. Yeah, he was six stuff. two. Yeah, he didn't. He did yeah, He was <laughs> six two. That's a bad height <laughs> to be in the trenches. Yeah.
1: yeah, you're real tall. You see everything exactly. The top, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Uh, he had seen enough death on the Western Front that he considered it his duty to quote conceive a nobler world in memory of those who died. So that's okay. so far, yeah. so far, good path. <clears throat> Let's read the next paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> In 1924, Mosley switched his political allegiance to the Labor Party. This was, coincidentally, the same year that the Labor Party first came to power in the House of Commons. From 1926 to 1930, Mosley was the MP of Smethwick. He developed a reputation as a young, brash, political wunderkind. But in 1929, the stock market crashed. Mm -hmm. Britain was hit very hard. Unemployment, which had been at 10% in 1929, shot to 22.2% by 1932 when the British economy looked to be on the verge of collapse. The great reserves of gold and jewels the empire had spent the better part of two centuries plundering had all been spent to win, or sort of win, the Great War. Now England appeared to be staring over the edge of a cliff. Oswald Mosley had sacrificed for his country, and he had seen many of his friends die for it. Since he was an ambitious young man with access to political power, he saw it as his duty to save his nation, and as he looked out into the rest of the world for suggestions on how he might do that, his eyes were invariably drawn towards Italy, in the accomplishments of a little dude named Benito Mussolini. Oh, hell yeah. You guys, you guys heard of this dude? A little bit. In passing. In passing, yeah. yeah. yeah he was yeah. handsome. Very good-looking guy. Mm-hmm. Hell of a jawline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mussolini's Partito Nazionale Fascista had just come to power in 1922. Nowadays, we think of Mussolini as basically a cheap Italian ripoff of Hitler, faintly ridiculous for all his evil. But that's purely a view brought on by hindsight. To people in the early 20s, Mussolini's relatively peaceful rise to power seemed almost miraculous, adds to the apparent instant turnaround of the Italian economy. In England, much coverage of Mussolini and his bold new idea, fascismo, was positive. On November 18, 1922, the Times of London called Mussolini a masterful man and credited his program with bearing the stamp of his strong character. Like most conservatives, the editors of the Times thought Italian fascism was a reasonable reaction to political turmoil. Quote, The rise of fascismo is the result, the natural result, of the progressive degradation of the representative system as it has been witnessed in Rome. So, even progressive papers were reticent to entirely condemn the hip new ideology. The Daily Telegraph's yearly review of major world events in 1922 didn't even mention the fascist coup that had just swept Italy just wasn't seen as that big of a deal. Mm. Italian fascism had inspired British imitators as soon as it appeared. The British Fascisti Party was formed in 1923. The National Fascisti split off in 1924, and the Imperial Fascist League kicked off in 1929. None of these groups gained more than a few dozen members, nor did they manage anything more impressive than some graffiti and a few tiny marches. In the mid-1920s, it would have seemed preposterous if you'd suggested to anyone that Oswald Mosley, the widely admired young politician, would become a fascist himself. In 1924, English socialist author Beatrice Webb called him, quote, the most accomplished speaker in the House of Commons. But after the crash of 1929, Mosley came to believe that radical change was necessary to save Britain from economic collapse. His first plan was written down in the Mosley Memorandum, a document that suggested hardcore protectionist economic policies in order to protect domestic industry from foreign trade. During her golden age, England had relied heavily on foreign export. This had caused the Depression to bite them harder than most because the collapse of their major trading partners essentially wiped out British industry. While well, most of the Empire's political leaders wanted to essentially write out the Depression until they could get back to selling British goods all over the world, Mosley wanted to reform the entire economy into a state of autarky. In other words, he wanted British people to only buy and sell from other British people, cutting them out of the world economy to render them immune to the destabilization of its booms and busts. He wanted England to basically close its borders for the most part. He definitely didn't mm-hmm. want it admitting any people from outside of mm-hmm. England, mm-hmm. and he wanted its uh, its economy, its 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 agriculture production to be entirely self-sufficient. Now, this was also this was a really common idea at the time. Uh, this was like Hitler's big idea too.
3: Yeah, just yeah. like ba- like the basic. Foundation of like nationalism, so, yeah, no, yeah, protectionist, and you keep everyone out and you do your own thing, mm-hmm. like, uh, like maybe like, uh, how Mr. Mosley grew up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but bigger because of England,
1: yeah, because his life was so perfect he when just... everything was, uh, protected and mm-hmm. insulated,
3: yeah, he just wanted to put, uh, Britain first, maybe you wanted to put, oh, Britain Cody, first. Yeah.
2: oh, Cody. Oh, uh, Cody! Yeah. <laughs> did he join Britain first? Oh, I bet he did. Oh, he already, is that we, where he wanted to? We'll, spoilers. We'll get to that. Is that what he wanted to put?
1: Stop s- jumping s- ahead.
3: Spoilers. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just sounds I mean, like uh, <laughs> it just
1: sounds like everything else. It sounds like every other iteration of this cycle. But yeah, sounds Britain like first. Sounds like
3: fascists are all the same four guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. kind of just seems like uh, maybe well, they
1: might be all reincarnated.
2: Mm-hmm. A bunch of losers uh, with a bunch of loser ideas. that <laughs> That's never another change. fair way to put it. Most of Mosley's contemporaries considered his ideas kind of crazy, but Mosley's other plans were more reasonable. He wanted to institute a massive public works program, spending 200 million pounds over three years to create thousands of new jobs for England's unemployed masses. These jobs would include a mobile labor corps, to rebuild the nation's slums. This was actually pretty reasonable. It's essentially the same thing, you know, as one of the linchpins of FDR's New Deal, the Civilian Conservation Corps, which is why my granddad didn't starve during the Great Depression. He was building parks and stuff. Great idea. Mm -hmm. So, Mosley has some good ideas and some bad ideas, like any politician. Like any, Well, actually, the fact that he had good ideas makes him a little 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 bit unique. A little bit unique, yeah. Yeah. The ideas (laughs) thing, really. Mm, Yeah.
0: (laughs) Mosley saw a decent (laughs) amount
2: of support for this idea, but his plan for how to make this happen set a lot of people on edge. I'm going to quote from Brett Rubin's The Death of British Fascism. Quote, To combat unemployment and to deal with the economic crisis in general, Mosley believed that political power needed to be more centralized. He argued for the creation of a new cabinet led by the prime minister and other top MPs, which was to be advised by a think tank of economic experts. This cabinet was to utilize all of the resources of the nation to fight the economic disaster. Now, that was radical but not entirely without precedent. Britain had done something similar during the Great War with Lloyd George's Supreme War Council. Mosley was basically saying that the nation needed to treat the Great Depression the way they would treat a major war. It was not a popular idea among parliamentarians, but many British people thought he was right on the money. So Mosley remained popular with the people, even as Britain's political elite rejected his ideals and sought to heal the nation's export trade and revive the economy that way. The labor government sought to balance the budget, which required a massive cut to employment benefits and other entitlements. Mm, mm, Mm -hmm. mm, Mm-hmm. You gonna guess how that went for the labor government? Mm. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. know need to do that. <laughs> Mosley was infuriated that the Labour government had basically ignored his ideas, and in the spring of 1930, he resigned from the Labour Party after giving a huge speech in front of Parliament where he said that Britons must, quote, get away from the belief that the only criterion for British prosperity is how many goods we can send abroad for foreigners to consume. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> there it is. His words were met with raucous cheering, which helped further convince him that what he needed to do was create his own party mm. to solve the nation's problems. He grew even more popular after this speech and his resignation, and many of his fellow parliamentarians even began to see him as something of a hero. In 1931, Oswald Mosley announced the formation of a new political party, which he called the New Party since he was not the most creative man in the world. <laughs> he convinced several other members of the Labour Party to resign and join him as well. Some of these guys got cold feet and jumped ship instantly, but enough people stayed the course that they were able to give the New Party a go. The New Party's goals were based around the principles Mosley had already outlined. He wanted to create a small six-man council who could pass legislation at will in order to make necessary economic changes faster. (laughs) What if if just six guys had the power?
1: (laughs) We'll just get this done quicker.
2: Tommy, Tommy. what are you doing? (laughs) The new party advocated strong import controls. Mosley also created the new party Youth Club in order to get young men interested in politics. His politics. Mm -hmm. At first, a lot of British liberals and progressives joined a party they assumed was meant for them. Mm -hmm. In 1931, due partly to the failure of their austerity measures, but largely to the existence of the new party, the Labour Party got fewer votes than the Conservative Party. This pissed off quite a lot of people. Quote from The Death of British Fascism. Following the declaration of the results, an angry mob formed outside the town hall. They shouted at Mosley, calling him traitor and Judas, the son of the defeated labor candidate, charged the steps and accused Mosley with ruining his father's chances. In response, Mosley turned to John Strachey and said, That is the crowd that has prevented anyone from doing anything in England since the war. One of Mosley's friends would later state his belief that this was the moment British fascism was born. Mm-hmm. He's just so angry that people won't let him do exactly what he wants yeah, to do. Yeah, he wants to do the thing. Good. Mm-hmm. Let he him, has this idea, do it. and people don't agree entirely with it. They agree with parts of it, but they don't agree with all of it. They're, They're supposed, supposed to agree entirely. Spoken like a true rich kid. Yeah. They need yeah. to agree with everything. They need to agree with everything he has to say. He's six too. Robert. He's six Come two. on. All right. So, the guy in charge of the Labor Party, a fellow named McDonald, chose to make nice with the conservatives in order to retain some power for labor in government. This meant the new party suffered attacks from uh, both screwing over labor and was cut out of power while labor moved closer to the middle. As 1932 started, Mosley's party was a miserable failure and his political career seemed to be near its end. Before the 31 elections, he'd promised to resign from public life for a decade if he lost. But he did not actually do this. Instead, he decided that the failure of his party in the election left fascism as the only option remaining.
1: Oof, tough luck, that's just really. all he's left with.
2: It's, uh, what else are you gonna do? What else are you gonna do? You lose an election, you gotta go to fascism. You gotta. You've given
1: me no choice. Yeah,
2: no choice. Like that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Just every like from the very beginning.
3: Oh yeah, you confidently do a thing and then you lose and then you. <sighs> Get a little worse. Get a little worse. You get, little worse. It, yeah. get a little worse. Still learning from it. Yeah. Just get a little worse. Get a little worse. And then
2: get to get to where you need to be. Get to where you need to be, which is where he is in January of 1932, when he visits Italy at Benito Mussolini's explicit request. Mm. The two men both had backgrounds as socialist politicians, and were both frustrated with dealing with their nation's tedious political bickering. Mosley took to Mussolini at once, seeing him as a kindred spirit and a man's man. This meeting convinced Oswald Mosley, quote, the age of democracy was over. Yeah. There we go. That's that's
3: where where it's at. (laughs) That's where it's it's at.
2: When he returned to England, Mosley wrote a loving article about Mussolini's regime for the Daily Mail, stating, (laughs) quote, Oh, we're going to be talking about the Daily (laughs) Mail today. Yes. Stating, quote, no time is wasted in the polite banalities which have so irked the younger generation in Britain when dealing with our elder statesmen. Mosley wrote that the Italian mind was hard, concentrated, direct, and modern now. The efficiency of fascism compensated for, quote, the right to blather, he believed British politicians love too well. Mm. It's efficient, so why do we need free speech? What was that gonna get us?
3: It's just gonna waste time. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just w- wastes
1: time. It's just practical, you guys. Mm-hmm. This is just makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm. Mosley rebuffed multiple opportunities to re-enter the political mainstream, including invitations to work with former Prime Minister David Lloyd George and invitations from Winston Churchill. He also rejected the decision of many of his new party comrades who joined the Communist Party after the disastrous 1931 elections. If there was one thing Oswald Mosley hated, it was communism. He believed that class conflict could only end in violent revolution, and instead felt that fascism would do a better job of providing a quality of opportunity. Communists wanted to destroy capitalism. Oswald just wanted to reform it.
1: No, no, buddy, you got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's all <the> same. <laughs> it never changes, it
2: Robert, nothing changes. That is the tagline <laughs> of this like, podcast. Oh nothing has ever changed or ever will change uh. because people are just kind of dumb. Yeah. A lot of the time. Petty,
1: lazy, dumb.
2: Petty, lazy, dumb. Stubborn, scared of not having uh scared. as many nice things. Uh-huh. Mhm. Mosley knew that Italian or German fascism wouldn't just work if it was transplanted in England. He decided that in order to save <laughs> on, his nation, yeah. it would be his duty to create a new and uniquely British form of fascism. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure.
3: God, yeah, it's all, the same. It's, all the same. it's all the
2: same. What if we just, what if we, I know this got 70 million people killed, but what if we God. tweak it? <laughs> like, oh. Which is just
1: like. Not, what are the British flavors?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, uh, sticky toffee pudding. Sticky if, toffee right. pudding. Like, yeah, what
3: if that, we make this poison bubble gum? <laughs> yeah, what poison. if it's peppermint bubble gum poison? Yeah. Like what? If, what, uh, if we,
2: what if we throw a little bit of lime in that yeah, bubble gum? it
3: didn't work. The, the poison didn't work because it was lime. God, we need to make it lemon poison. These keep killing all
2: the Jewish people. What if we tweak the flavor a mm-hmm. little bit? What if we <laughs> change the uniform slightly? Oh, now they're killing Muslims. Okay, uh, okay, oh, oh, shoot. Okay. Okay,
3: <laughs> what if? Okay, what if? Okay, what if? we'd change it slightly again.
2: (laughs) What if we... Look at this flag. This is a nice flag. I like (laughs) flags. This is a different flag than the last guy's used. I like devoting things to flags. Some of
3: us are going to use the same flags. Mm, Yeah, we might use use very similar flags. We might, like, wink
2: at other flags. (laughs) (laughs) Now... Part of why Mosley was so drawn to the idea of British fascism was his military background. During his time in the service, Mosley has developed a love of discipline, even brutal discipline. One Uh of his friends, Harold Nicholson, said at the time that, quote, Tom cannot keep his mind off shock troops. The arrest of his political enemies, their internment in the Isle of Wight, and the roll of drums around Westminster. He is a romantic. That is a great failing. Can't keep his mind off arresting his enemies. Can't. Such a romantic. Such a romantic. Such whimsical brutalism.
1: Whimsi- whimsical <laughs> brutality. I see the problem here. You guys think words mean the wrong things.
3: <laughs> no, they know that they mean. They the wrong. know. Yeah. They know. The problem is that we think words mean things. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We put yeah. actual meaning into mm-hmm. words, and they don't give a shit about anything.
2: <laughs> He's a romantic, Cody. That's his failing. Oh, he was too that, right. yeah, he's too that much that of romantic for his own so good. Well, because you know what, when I'm when I'm taking a lady out on a on a, on a nice date and I yeah. really want to impress her, of course, first thing I do show her my shock troops. Sure, absolutely. Then I imprison my enemies on the Isle of Wight. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then you know a little <laughs> little bit of necking in the back of the car. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. an aphrodisiac. It's an aphrodisiac. Sure. Uh, ladies love seeing the political mm-hmm. enemies of a guy get locked up on the Isle of Wight. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's show her just basic. show her your Isle of White. Uh, since they're all British, it would definitely be an all oh, of white. This is the 1930s, like. Yeah. <laughs> In October 1932, Oswald Mosley officially founded the British Union of Fascists, or BUF. He wrote a book <laughs> a few years later, buff? titled <laughs> "Buff." Mm-hmm. Yes, buff. Mm-hmm. He, he was kind of buff. Give that to him. 6'2". Yeah, he wrote a book a few years <laughs> later titled Fascism, A 100 Questions Asked and Answered. that explained why he decided to use the same word as the Germans and Italians rather than invent a new term that might have been more palatable to English ears. Quote... Fascism is the name by which the modern movement has come to be known in the world. It would have been possible to avoid misrepresentation by calling our movement, which he capitalized the M in, by another name. But it was more honest to call it fascism and just let everyone know exactly where we stood. It is up to us to defeat misrepresentation by propaganda and explanation of the real policy and method of fascism as it will operate in Britain. In the long run, straightforward dealing is not only honest, but also pays the best. <laughs> so he was an honest, he was fascist. Yeah, fascist hate propaganda. He was a fascist you'd like to have a beer with if you weren't, you know, a Jew. Mm. Then you would not. No, then, then you. Then you would not. De- yeah, Well, yeah, yeah. he wouldn't let you in his house. Right. But yeah, yeah. You know what? We'll let you in. This is a bad ad lead, and that that shouldn't be how we do this. No, no, mm. that was good. No. Maybe no. maybe put like a a river of uh, something
3: a little nicer in between. Yeah, a, li- a
2: little a little. Uh, what do we what do we? What's a product we can advertise for that's on the table right now? Altoids, curiously cool mints. I noticed Arctic. that they, your Altoids, Katie, come in a nice silver container that you could also store your weed in.
1: Absolutely. Or some
2: some pills of MDMA, uh-huh. tabs, of acid. Yes. I could
1: store a lot of things in this Cops little.
2: Cops probably aren't going to search your Altoids container. Yeah. They're less likely than a jar labeled acid.
1: Unless they listen to this podcast. Unless Thanks they listen for to this up podcast, my spot.
2: fucking Maybe. a. There are other drugs you can keep in there, though. There are. Don't keep
3: a
1: little bit of alcohol in there. I'm
2: cops, confident. if you like this show, don't listen to that. <laughs> Most cops love this show. <laughs> that's a big part of our yeah, listening yeah. base. <laughs> it's, it's, Same with it's us. DA it's weird. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's weird.
3: Yeah, all cops are behind the Bastards fans, uh-huh. <laughs> is I yep. believe the phrase. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: exactly it. <laughs> yeah. I see that on a lot of t-shirts <laughs> yeah. at punk shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They,
3: they seem like they cross out a lot of the words. <laughs> yeah, they, but, they like, like, out, but I know what it means. The sentiment's <laughs> there. It's
2: like how you don't put the of or the the exactly. Cops love behind the bastards. <laughs> right. All cops are Yeah, That's I think we put enough daylight between that anti-Semitism stuff. And, I super agree. Uh, <laughs> products! <laughs> and services.
1: High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com
2: After establishing the British Union of Fascists, Moseley outright right away published a book called The Greater Britain, which he hoped would polish the bad reputation fascism had gotten over all those deaths from the uh, Spanish Civil War and the bombing of Guernica and all the people that the Nazis had put in concentration camps, mm. all of that stuff, mm. you know. In The Greater Britain, he assured the English people that fascism did not necessarily <clears throat> mean totalitarianism or a loss of liberty. British fascism would be a dictatorship. Yes, the one that was moderated and accountable to the people via a legislative assembly.
1: Who did he want to be the the dictator?
2: I mean, you think he wanted to be the dictator? I think he did. Uh, Yeah, he he wanted Oswald Mosley to be. He's probably probably, probably up for Tommy being on top. Yeah, Tommy on top. (laughs) Now, uh, Oswald Mosley assured people that his fascism did not require violence to gain power. If the BUF could just gain enough seats in parliament, they'd implement the changes he suggested in a perfectly legal manner. But what and if they could What about the queen? I guess they the king still. Not going to talk about that. <laughs> oh, he's got a job for the queen and the king. It was a king okay, at this point. Okay, it was point. a king at this point, at this point yeah, yeah, but... Yeah. 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 So, Mosley tried to convince the people that embracing this idea and adopting it gradually was a smart choice because fascism was the new way of things worldwide, and Britain might as well get a head start if they wanted to compete. (laughs) This was basically him cribbing a concept from an essay by Benito Mussolini, The Doctrine (laughs) of Fascism, which said this, If the 19th century was the century of the individual, liberalism implies individualism, we are free to believe that this is the collective century, and therefore the century of the state. In other words, the 20th century would be the fascist century, and there was no sense fighting it. Given where the global balance of power stood in 1932, it's easy to see how a number of people could have come to this conclusion. Mosley told his people that both left and right wing had failed them. The right wing could guarantee stability, but it could not create progress. The left brought progress, but instability. A fascist middle was necessary yeah. to unite the two.
3: Like, a, like, there's like, there are like two ways, mm-hmm. but what if there was like a... And a, 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 An a, more than a more than two way. Mm-hmm. A, a, a second plus one. A second plus one mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, like, a, like a
2: almost fourth way. I think those are the only two but... ways to, to describe it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay, yeah. Yeah. I think good. we got it. We nailed it. Quote, Fascism is not dictatorship in the old sense of the word, which implies government against the will of the people. Instead, Mosley believed that fascism rested, quote, on the enthusiastic acceptance of the people and could not endure without their support. So that's good. Yeah. That's also essentially... It's a it. whimsical fascism. A whimsical fascism. Yeah, you want that support? You know, it's 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 I, Winnie the Pooh fascism. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, if, if it gets a
1: little I get hung up on so th- this Britain first, this this isolationist kind of idea, but l- taking so much like putting Mussolini on a pedestal and like celebrating
2: other places. Yeah. Well, you got a problem with Mussolini, Katie? No, he's hot. You know, I've only <laughs> I've only read Italian history up until about 1934, but it seemed like Sounds he was good. a pretty cool guy. Yeah. yeah. I've only read German history up until about 1929. But so, where I really I left off. a lot of good speakers around that time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A really engaging speakers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really good to hear. Good to yeah. hear. Yeah. I'm excited for what comes next for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 No spoilers, guys. I wonder
3: what else they have to say. <laughs>
4: <sighs> oh.
3: So, um but well because yeah. also cuz that whole what you're saying about how like yeah britain first but then you support like Mussolini and all these people that's just what they do like yeah. there's literally a Hitler quote that's like yeah um, I'm not saying we're better than anybody mm-hmm. I think we should be like our own thing mm-hmm. and like Japan go- they do their own thing it was, it was China like, does their right. own thing we all
2: just sort of do our own I'm well, not saying we're better China does Japan's thing sure sure sure, 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 <laughs> yeah. sure, sure, sure. <laughs> he was, no, he was totally. not a fan <laughs> of China doing its own
3: thing I don't <laughs> believe he uh, said that in the that quote but yeah. yes yes, yeah. yeah. it's just so interesting right. we
1: respect what they're doing and we want to steal it, but we want yeah. them to be far away from us and oh, yeah. <laughs> you know
2: yeah yeah now, in Mosley's vision of British fascism, his equivalent to the German Fuhrer would be the minister, a single man who would have basically all the power in Britain, but who would be subject to a vote of confidence every five years. If the people stopped supporting this dictator, the king would be able to appoint a new one who would then have to go about earning the support of the masses so that he could win a confidence vote. Oh. That seems like a lot of checks and balances. A lot. There's one.
1: That's a lot. That's a check. You For know fascism, what? Yeah. yeah. If you got
3: none, one, that's a lot. That is a lot. Five is years a lot. is a, a good amount of time. <laughs>
1: For a dictator? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't seem like a, a ruler's best interest to have a dictator. But what
3: if we have another ruler who's like, all
2: right, you don't like that dictator. What about this <laughs> what about, dictator? What about this dictator? Exactly. Yeah. So, you might see how reasonable people, though, could get suckered into the British Union of Fascists, considering this is before that whole World War II thing starts. Yeah, and sure, sure. democracy, people are seeing some flaws in it. I mean, I'm, 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 I <laughs> understand that there are people who can fall into yeah, movements yeah, like this. Yeah, yeah. You know. It's a little more understandable in 1932 than, say, 2019. Sure, sure. sure. Yeah. yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As moderate as Mosley's new take on fascism may have seemed on the surface, it quickly turned into the battle fascism we all know and hate. The first signs of this were obvious from the way Mosley and his fellow fascists react to the disruption of their meetings and Mosley's speeches. The first signs of this were obvious from the way Mosley and his fellow fascists reacted to the disruption of their meetings and Mosley's speeches by people who will call, I don't know, not fascism likers. Yeah. Yeah. That's a catchy the, title. Uh, yeah. Fash opposites. Fash opposites. Fash opposites. Great. Starting with the announcement of the BUF, party gatherings were often disrupted by hecklers, mostly communists and other assorted fash opposites, <laughs> who shouted over Mosley until they were ejected from the gathering. For a little while, Mosley grinned and bore it. But after a few months of this, he decided to form a paramilitary organization dedicated to stopping these sorts of disruptions. Whoa, the, whoa. Yeah,
1: uh-oh. <laughs> this is where things go off the rails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Ooh, it took a couple of months. It no, took no, a couple no, of months. no, no, That's, that's enough time.
3: That's all, all takes.
2: It's the takes BUF had established a youth league right away, of course, which Correct. initially just encouraged its young members to be athletic and play sports like rugby. The young men wore no uniform and therefore did not set off any alarm bells as a military force. Initially, a government study later revealed most Britons viewed Mosley as, quote, a colorful eccentric and fascist occasions as entertaining spectacles. Okay. But as disruptions of fascist events grew more frequent, Mosley reformed the youth auxiliary into something with sharper teeth the soon to be infamous black shirts.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: Hell yes. Yeah, that was, they wore black shirts. Mm. Yeah. Good Here's, for their teams. Good for their sports teams. Team, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your sports team. Yeah, you, can, you, need, you need colors for your sports teams. Exactly. You wear, you wear jerseys. Exactly. Here's the death of British fascism. Quote, Mosley stated that the Blackshirt stewards originated with his resolve to not succumb to disruptors. Mosley claimed that as the movement gained momentum, so did its resistors. Rather than allow his meetings to be shut down by a disruptive, organized minority, Mosley created the London Defense Force to train and recruit more Blackshirt stewards. He claimed that the creation of the Blackshirts was entirely out of defensive necessity, a result of increasing hostility to his movement. However, there is evidence that this force had an offensive capability as well. The press accused Blackshirts of unprovoked attacks on communists and, later, Jews. The Times testified to black shirts verbally provoking a group of young Jewish men in London in the summer of 1933. The Daily Worker of January 23rd, 1936 charged Mosley's black shirts with raiding its offices, turning over cars, and causing extensive damage. Hmm. Weren't the
1: black shirts also Mussolini's?
2: Brown shirt. Oh wait, brown, brown Mussolini's. Shoot, I forget which ones Mussolini had. It was black shirts. Black shirts. It was, was a black shirts. Black shirts yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Black brown shirts were Hitler's. They all got yeah. their. They all got their fucking shirts. Yeah, got, today, today, today it's Fred Perry. I mean, he could have gotten some <laughs> yeah, more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a
1: bit more creative.
2: Yeah, yeah. They all got their and Punisher logos. Right, right. Yeah, fucking yeah. And they're little LARP shields and stuff. Little LARP shields and stuff. From 1933 to 1937, Oswald Mosley averaged 200 speeches a year, each of them accompanied by a large group of black shirts. These young men lived in Chelsea, London, at a barracks called the Black House. At the height of the BUF, more than a 1,000 men lived there full time. They trained in jiu-jitsu and lived under military discipline. From 1932 on, they were a constant and very visible presence at rallies. Now, the Blackshirts received a major endorsement in the public consciousness in 1934 when Lord Rothmere, a conservative newspaper tycoon, embraced the BUF and its paramilitary auxiliary. Rothmere ran a little newspaper you may have heard of called the Daily Mail. Mm. There we go. On January 8, 1934, the Mail published an article titled, Hurrah for the Blackshirts! (laughs) Yes! I'd like to read a few quotations from that article, which was written by Lord Rothmere himself. He's, He's counted as Viscount. Rothmere mm. in this, which is a word I know how to pronounce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Even though did. it's spelled Viscount, which it's, is d- dumb. I always thought
1: yeah, yeah. it was Vicomte.
2: That's, that's actually probably right. I
1: don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't Vice know Cunt.
2: either. I don't. Viscount Rothmere. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I agree right? with that. Yeah. I'm on board. I'm, 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 mm-hmm. I know how to pronounce. Because he's not good enough to be a full one, absolutely. no, no, no not. Of course Vice not. no, no circumstances. Yeah, command, yeah. He could assist yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. In certain areas. Yeah. Quote from Hurrah for the Black Shirts. I wonder if the Daily Mail is is still a great newspaper. Anyway, because fascism <laughs> comes from Italy, short-sighted people in this country think they show a sturdy national spirit by deriding it. If their ancestors had been equally stupid, Britain would have no banking system, no Roman law, nor even any football, since all of these are of Italian invention. Ooh. The Romans invented cool stuff, so Italian fascism <laughs> sweet as hell, yeah. I
3: love logic and reason as well. <laughs> yes. I've, debate me, you
2: cowards. <laughs> The socialists, especially who jeer at the principles of in uniform of the black shirts as being of a foreign origin, forget that the founder and high priest of their own creed was the German Jew Karl Marx. Got to put that Jew right in the front there. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Though the name and form of fascism originated in Italy, that movement is not now peculiar to any nation. It stands in every country for the party of youth. Mm -hmm. It represents the effort of the youngest generation to put new life into an out-of-date political systems. That alone is enough to make it a factor of immense value in our national affairs. Blackshirts proclaim a fact which politicians dating from pre-war days were never faced, that the new age requires new methods and new men. Uh... I don't have it all on here. It's only a chunk of the thing. Look at, okay, look at, look at this thing.
1: But we get the. Hurrah! Idea. You,
2: you get the idea. <laughs> I love
3: I'm this. For the, <laughs> There's like
2: an article next <laughs> to it. Yeah.
3: Crazy, Crazy newsreel. News Reel. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Crazy newsreel is the. Uh, that's the next article. Good. And woman through the ages. Mm-hmm. Ooh boy. So, jiu-jitsu isn't from Britain, by the way. It's no, no, it's I not. Not. no, I know. Jiu-jitsu
1: was thinking that, too. No, but Come you on, can guys. import
2: things from other countries. Yeah. Like roads. Just not the... <laughs> but not the people. Not the people. Not the people. Under no, 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 no. circumstances, no. Katie. Absolutely Under, not. not, they're not, wearing, not wearing, no, They're not wearing the right shirt. Not okay. Steal the
1: best from other cultures. Just not any people. Just not their people.
2: people. Well, they're not sending their best. So. <laughs> they're not going to send their best. <laughs> yeah. Of course not. Mm-hmm. Unlike Oswald Mosley, who <laughs> trains his best at jiu-jitsu. Yeah. So they can... Destroy newspaper offices. Exactly. He's he's uh, 6'2". He he is (laughs) 6'2". Among other great ideas, Lord Rothmere declared Mussolini to be the greatest man of the 20th century in another one of his articles. (laughs) (laughs) Did did not age well. God. (laughs)
3: Quick jump there. (laughs) By the way, he's the best. He's the best.
2: He's he's the best person that in 1932 I'm confident will arise in the next (laughs) 78 years.
1: I'm curious to see how his position evolves.
2: Mm. I mean, have you read the Daily Mail lately? (laughs) The Daily Mail. For reference, after the Christchurch shootings, yeah, just provided a free download of the shooter's manifesto to anyone it's who wanted awful. it. It's
1: awful. I just avoid. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Any,
2: part I, of I, their, their, their role in the whole. Uh, are there
1: any good publications that are daily? Like the Daily, the daily Zeitgeist, the, daily, the Zeitgeist. daily Zeitgeist, solid podcast. Okay, that was a setup.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the daily some more like we got news the daily caller <laughs> um, no no, no. no <laughs> the not. daily wire
2: it's almost like releasing a bunch of stuff every day on a thing that you can't like do any really great analysis and maybe you know the best you can hope for is reporting that's that's not nonsense and even then a lot of the times people are going to get it wrong Wait, so like sensationalist, like instant reactions to stuff isn't responsible news? It it, it might be.
1: I mean, newspapers put stuff out every day. I just mean, I've noticed quite a lot of daily publications that are like. I roll a word. Oh, in. yeah,
3: they're all bad. Mm-hmm.
1: Except for the Daily Zeitgeist. <laughs> Except
3: for the Daily Zeitgeist, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, yeah, Daily Wire, Daily Caller, Daily
2: Mail, mm-hmm.
1: Daily Prophet,
2: The Daily Showa.
1: That would be oh, Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> do
2: you do not want to be
1: listening to that. <laughs>
2: Is that a Harry Potter thing? Yes. That was a Harry it Potter. Was, was, I, was, I, like whole thing,
1: the whole thing was a setup for a Harry Potter. We joke, are talking but about it British went people. Well mm. off the lines.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. I'm, I'm sure once J.K. Rowling hears this, we'll get a couple of tweets about what Mosley was, his wizarding. We're yeah, waiting yeah. while you're I'm at sure it. Sure can you tell us why? be like, yeah, Mosley was why? bad because he was secretly trans or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, J.K.
1: But I want to know her thoughts on the Goblin Bankers
3: anyway. Mm.
2: Oh, boy. That is something I did not catch as a nine-year-old. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, Good. don't.
3: <laughs> yeah. It sneaks up on you. Yeah.
1: I've derailed this enough. (laughs) Yeah, it's
2: fine. It's fine. In 1930, when the Nazis had gone from 12 to 107 seats in the Reichstag, Lord Rothmere had penned an article for the Daily Mail stating, The Nazis represent the rebirth of Germany as a nation, which was not entirely inaccurate, to be fair. Fun fact, the Daily Mail Online is today the world's largest English-language newspaper website. But I'm sure they've gotten a lot better. I wrote all this before I said the thing. <laughs> <what> said. <laughs> They're garbage, and don't don't go there. While well, Mosley's rallies grew more and more violent, and the black shirts got better and better at doing violence, Lord Rothmere continued to praise the British Union of Fascists. When Mosley was accused of wanting to establish a, quote, "...system of rulership by means of steel whips and concentration camps," Rothmere called his critics "...tired alarmists and panic mongers." Mm. The support of Rothmere and the Daily Mail led thousands upon thousands of New Britons to join the BUF. This meant Mosley gave more speeches to larger crowds, which led to more vicious blackshirt beatings of protesters and disruptive elements. Early in, the, early in the B.U.F.'s history, Mosley had tried to dispatch his hecklers by making fun of them. He was a great public speaker, some say one of the best in the history of English politics, so this worked for a while. But as time went on, the Blackshirts took more and more of that responsibility and used more and more violence to do it. According to the death of British fascism, quote... Brutality on both sides of the podium abounded in this period. Although Mosley claimed he forbade his blackshirts to use weapons of any kind, the Constitution of the Blackshirts outlined careful rules for keeping order at BUF meetings. It stated, Interrupters will be ejected only on the instructions of the speaker when the persistence of an interrupter prevents those in his vicinity from hearing the speech. Ejection will be carried out with a minimum of force necessary. In my life, Mosley recalls the slogan he used to inspire his protectors. We never start fights. We only finish them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Both hecklers and blackshirts regularly carried weapons, from brass knuckles to razor blades. Mosley was proud that never once was one of his meetings broken up, but this was only possible due to the intense violence deployed by his blackshirts. Mosley would later write that these devoted young men saved free speech in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Sure they did. Mm-hmm.
3: I hate how many times you use the word free speech in your podcast. I know, I know. <laughs> Every episode, it's it's, like, it's by the way, they were talking about
2: this. It's their favorite dog whistle. I know. It's yeah. It's frustrating because free speech is good. It is good, but and- words don't mean things to them. Yeah, yeah. The Communist Party was the largest organized opposition to the BUF. Their newspaper, The Daily Worker, cheered when four blackshirts were hospitalized after an ambush in Edinburgh. This built and built until a planned BUF rally on June 7, 1934 in Olympia. This rally was planned to bring more than 15,000 fascists together. 12,000 of those people were actual audience members. The remaining 3,000 were blackshirts, in and out of uniform, waiting throughout the crowd to break up the communist resistance they knew was coming. The Communist Party had asked its local leaders to buy as many tickets to the meeting as possible, having their members send in ticket requests along with lurid letters of support for fascism. The plan was that anti-fascist demonstrators could hide themselves in small groups throughout the mass of audience members. After Mosley introduced himself, they'd start chanting slogans like... Fascism means murder, down with Mosley, until they were physically removed. Other groups would cut the lighting cables. These interrupters would all wear black shirts to confuse the fascists, and they'd stagger their disruptions in order to make sure that, as soon as the fascists cleared one group out, the next would start up, completely derailing the planned meeting. (laughs) This plan worked brilliantly for the first hour or so of the meeting, until the black shirts managed to ferret out basically all the communists. They removed 30 people in total. 21 of these people were arrested outside by the police for obstruction, public disturbance, and refusal to cooperate. In the end, Mosley was able to finish his speech. He made as much hay as he possibly could out of the demonstrators, showing up that same night on the BBC. He claimed that communists had attempted to shout down free speech, and asked the audience, Now I put it to you, to your sense of fair play, would you have handled these reds very gently when you had seen your men kicked in the stomach and slashed with razors, your women with faces streaming in blood? Now... There was zero evidence that anything like that had happened. In fact, one of the other panelists interviewed had been at the speech and denied seeing any weapons in communist hands at all. Instead, he said that he'd seen interrupters struck in the head and the stomach all over the body with complete absence of restraint. He called it the worst violence he'd seen short of the war. To their credit, the BBC would not have Mosley on as a guest again for more than 20 years. Mm. The media sided with the interrupters, widely panning Mosley's blackshirts for their violent response to what amounted to minor acts of disruption. Geoffrey Lloyd, a conservative MP, attended the rally and later told the Times of London he was, quote, "...appalled by the brutal conduct of the fascists last night. Five or six fascists carried out an interrupter by arms and legs. Several other blackshirts were engaged in kicking and hitting his lifeless body." Oddly enough, Mosley's biggest supporter in the mainstream was David Lloyd George, a liberal. Shortly after the meeting, George wrote an editorial and stated, It is difficult to explain why the fury of the champions of free speech should be concentrated so exclusively, not on those who deliberately and resolutely attempted to prevent the public expression of opinions of which they disapproved, but against those who fought, however roughly, for freedom of speech. Lloyd George believed that people who showed up at a political meeting with the intent of disrupting it have no right to complain if an exasperated audience handles them rudely. Rudely. rudely 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 with whimsical with, brutality. with whimsical brutality so much use of the phrase free speech none yeah. of which were written by me by the way these are all qu- oh all i quotes. believe you yeah <laughs> i know this swing towards greater violence occurred right alongside another event that would further radicalize mosley's fascist party three weeks after the olympia rally was the night of long knives where Hitler's Nazi party consolidated power by murdering at least 85 political rivals. Many people who had been on the fence about this Hitler fellow and his Nazism (laughs) leapt right the fuck off that fence after the Night of Long Knives. But Mosley and the BUF backed their fascist brothers to the hilt. Blackshirt, the BUF's official newspaper, claimed that the men Hitler murdered were guilty of the greatest fascist crime, disloyalty to the leader. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's uh, what you can't get, do. But what about free, free speech, go- all guys? The good hits. All yeah. the good hits. Well, not once you're in charge. Sure. Yeah. Free speech until you get in charge. Right. And then never again. Yep.
1: Oh, okay.
3: That has got, that's less free catchy, though. Just below it. Yep. Your and hand then, got a lot lower in between And then, I don't game.
2: know, violence, I guess. Man,
3: they love beating people up. They do
2: love beating God. people up. It's a lot of fun. Mm. So, uh, this is the move that finally lost Mosley the support of Lord Rothmere. He pulled the Daily Mail support of the B.O.F. in the very next issue. Brave. Yeah. Brave man. Brave. brave. He only supported him for I'd like- say he's a coward. A couple of years. A couple of years. Just a couple years. of years. Just a
3: couple of years until all the things that he said became clear that he meant them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you meant the things. Oh, I see. Oh. Oh, oh, interesting. Oh, I
1: should be taking you literally this whole time. <laughs> mummy, m- mummy. Mummy, are you watching?
2: Apologies, British people. Sorry. At the time, <laughs> Mosley claimed Rothmere had only chickened out on his fascism due to pressure from a cabal of Jewish advertisers. It was one of the first stirrings of public anti-Semitism from Oswald Mosley, who up until this point had walked a fine line of supporting the Nazis and being a fascist without actually blaming the Jews for all the world's wars. That would change rather dramatically as time went on but we'll have to tell that story on Thursday when we come back for part two of Oswald Mosley's life story. I can't wait. Good luck, Tommy. You guys think it's going to end well? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All stories have good endings. They do. They do. I feel like he's going to be a cool guy.
3: I think he's going to be a cool guy with good opinions uh, who goes about bringing those opinions to fruition mm-hmm. in healthy, mm-hmm. productive kind ways i feel the same way
1: i think he's gonna get married Good. and settled down i
2: mm-hmm. do too i think he's <laughs> oh gonna, yeah he's that's gonna, all part of this. He's find a wife maybe a couple of wives maybe a couple of wives maybe a harem who's legally obligated to never leave the palace he seems like that kind of guy he does seem like that kind of guy I can't seem- tell if you're <laughs> there are so many possibilities no, no, there's so many possibilities let's uh let's let's plug some pluggables before we uh we we pretend to go away until part two yeah
3: yeah I yeah, won't well, see you for another day or two we're yeah, we're I'm, gonna go and I'm then I'm gonna miss gonna come you guys back. that's how we do this <laughs> show yeah.
1: Uh-huh. yeah we just keep driving back and forth in a couple of days um, you can check us out online we've got a podcast even more news podcast we've got a patreon patreon.com some more news which
3: yeah
1: and the YouTube uh, show our YouTube
3: Show is called "Some More News." Uh, it's on YouTube. You can yeah. Google it. Uh, also, "Some More News" Twitter. My personal Twitter is Dr. Mister Cody.
1: Mine's Katie Stoll.
3: And I think
2: those are all the things we can plug. I, you can plug whatever you want. First off, uh, Game of Thrones is
1: coming back in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, I don't think a lot of people have heard of that.
1: Oh, it's a great show.
3: Yeah,
2: the, you should
1: catch up on
2: it. Yeah, you should check check that one out. I don't want to ruin anything, but
3: it's got dragons in it.
2: God, Cody. God
3: damn it But but, but to be fair The dragons are computer generated <laughs> Oh what? well So sorry
1: This is disappointing This is a
2: real <laughs> bummer I thought they were cloning
1: them I'm,
2: I'm Robert Evans You can find me on Twitter at IWriteOK okay. You can find this podcast on the internet At BehindTheBastards.com uh, We have shirts uh, Tpublic.com mm-hmm. Buy a shirt mm-hmm. Buy two shirts yep. Buy three shirts Buy four shirts Five, six shirts, seven, seven, eight, nine. We don't have that many designs. Ten? You would Buy be buying ten. multiples. Buy 10 shirts. You don't have an all cops or behind the bastards
1: <laughs> shirt. You got to have a grab bib
3: shirt. Put a little parentheses in there. We're, we're, we're <laughs> working on yeah, that one, right. Cody. All right,
2: good, 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 good. I feel like that one's going to go over real well. yeah, yeah. That, people that, will love it all kinds of, that'll, all that'll be my it. new driving shirt instead of the save lives <laughs> do crime shirt
3: you're just promoting your podcast I'm man it's lo- fine you haven't heard it I thought, I I thought you'd something. love it <laughs> that's what the shirt's about man
2: <laughs> this is the episode go go, hug your family or some shit yes. <laughs>